0: a podcast about product management user experience design technology and more this is product by design all right Welcome back to another episode of Product by Design. Uh, we've got Kyle and Eva today. How's it going, Eva?
1: I feel like the, can I say the band is back together again <laughs> after, I don't know, a month? I guess on the internet, time doesn't really exist. It just different, different things on a different day, kind of a thing, I feel
0: that's, like. That's right. Time is immaterial. It's just all.
1: <laughs> this concept does not exist on the internet. That's right. But. Um but if you are a regular listener and have been following you may notice that I've been a little bit more gone <laughs> but now I'm um, happy to announce uh, my wedding happened and everything went I don't know saying perfectly is kind of like braggy it feels like but guys it was perfect <laughs> and so yeah, glad that it happened and glad it's over it was so much work and now I feel like I have nothing going on, which is great. So happy to be back. How are you doing, Kyle?
0: Doing really well. Uh, so yeah, things things have been good. It's good to be back talking. It has been a little bit, a little longer than, than normal. So it's good to be back together doing our, our next episode. So this is exciting. And congratulations, by the way. Glad that everything went thank so you. well.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And kind of feels weird that it was only like a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> it feels like it was ages ago, but I can see that in your background, um, your toy collection has grown. It is. <laughs> your, yep. Yeah. Your Legos and, and Teddy bear.
0: <laughs> yeah. We, we're currently working on the Ecto-1 in, in my office. So, uh, Ecto-1 Lego set, which has been fun. So usually we're doing that like one or two steps each weekend, like as we get some time. Oh. So it's yeah, it's been.
1: Is it a car?
0: It uh, is. Yeah, the Ecto One okay. is the Ghostbuster car from the <gasps> oh. movie, and it's it's the biggest Lego set we have done to date. But yeah, we've got the kids going. We'll we'll pull out a couple steps, and uh, yeah, just kind of work on it. Uh, they're back in school, so we don't have as much time to be doing like legos as we normally do so you know we're it's it's been a slow process but it's been fun they're they're enjoying like having a little bit of a project that we do you know each weekend or something like that
1: that is so uh i can't think of another word but just cute (laughs) and how many pieces are we are we putting together
0: i think this one's like 2300 pieces so yeah it's It's a bigger one, but it's been like, it's been fun. And I, they totally, they just totally love it. Like my son, he just, he is an absolute fanatic when it comes to Legos. So I'm, I feel like I'm more of like a project supervisor when it comes to it. (laughs) Like I just, I get the book out and they're just, they they barely let me do anything when it comes to putting it together other than like tell them which pages they get to do and make sure that they're like just taking turns but otherwise like they (laughs) they just they do it all themselves and you know i just i kind of point them in the right direction yeah but it's yeah
1: like dad be in your place and i'll do my my job
0: yeah like if i get in there to try and do anything it becomes like hey hey what 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 are you doing dad like (laughs) you need to get back in your lane which is not touching the legos it's holding the book
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah whoa 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 whoa! that is not not your area (laughs) of expertise please yeah yeah hands off that's that's (laughs) that's kind of (laughs) funny i I love that they are kind of like this is our thing you're just here to help
0: yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm there. It's, uh, it has been funny. They, they do call it like my Legos or, or like my Lego car, but which I find ironic, <laughs> but anyway,
1: I, I love the the perspective that kids have towards the world and just people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait one day when I have kids, I'm going to just psychoanalyze them. <laughs> this is so interesting to me, but speaking of Legos, one quick tangent real quick. <laughs> Uh, have you seen the botanical collection? I think oh. they just uh, launched that line. No, it's very very interesting. All right, everybody listening, do a quick googling with me real quick.
0: Okay, I'm just yeah, Lego I'm checking it out. Yeah, we've been looking. We've been looking at a ton of Lego sets, but that one I have not seen. So I'm looking at it right now.
1: It's the most amazing thing I've seen, and we ordered. Uh, the bouquet one? Okay. They have a bonsai. They have a bird of paradise. Yeah, I'm looking bouquet. at the birds
0: of paradise right now.
1: It's so cool. Anyways, everybody go look it up. It's pretty sweet. It's just flowers, but in Lego form.
0: <laughs> that is cool. The bonsai cool. one is
1: cool. The bonsai one, you can like put the flowers on like it's, you know, in season blooming. And then you can take the flowers off when it's not. Wow. So yeah, if there's anyone out there looking for a gift for anyone I don't know who likes flowers but not ones that die, this is a great option.
0: No, that is that is really cool. Okay, yeah, we may have to we may have to check that one out. No, that's that is a lot of fun. Those look really cool.
1: Right, right. So yeah, I'm getting getting the bouquet one. So we'll report back cool whenever it arrives yeah
0: yeah you have to we'll have to post like a picture of that like once you do it
1: and now i want to attempt at this segue (laughs) so speaking of legos there are just so many collections (laughs) i don't know i don't know i feel like i'm i'm feeling really rusty (laughs) doing the segue
0: that's a decent segue
1: you you see where i'm going you see where i'm going
0: i see where you're going yeah so
1: but it, uh, okay you do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, there there are a lot of choices when it comes to Lego sets and we we've, we've been having this problem. Um like my kids they are they're huge into Minecraft and they have, you know, trouble with, you know, picking out like a single Lego Minecraft set because there are just like dozens and dozens of them. And it's it's almost a a paradox of, you know, does having many choices make it easier or harder? And that's what we want to talk about is the paradox of choice. And does having more choices make deciding easier or harder and how that impacts some of our product decisions? Because it is a real issue, not only in our decision-making, but in the features that we often have in our products. So I think we, you can rate the segue on that one, but I think the Legos to the... I thought
1: you were backtracking. No, that was good. That was good. Yeah,
0: the paradox of choice is is really interesting. I This is it's a super interesting topic, so I'm excited to talk about it because we've been grappling with this and talking a ton about it within our product and within our uh, kind of our company, just because... If anybody listening is familiar with uh, what what I do specifically, it's a company called Team, and we work very much with uh, workplace management software. But it is very simple and straightforward. And there's lots of other ones uh, software out there that has a lot more features and complexity. And so, like balancing this idea of what to do versus what to say no to is, is super interesting. So we'll, we'll get more into that, but let's talk a little bit more about what this idea is, the paradox of choice, and how you balance what to put into a product versus what to leave out. So with that, I don't know, Eva, do you wanna give us what is, you know, what's kind of the, the basic idea behind, I've said it a couple of times, the paradox of choice, but what is, what is that? (laughs)
1: I, I can see people like frantically Googling right now and just like, let me just go find out right now what that is. But yeah, the par- if you Google paradox of choice, you're going to get a lot of the um, topics and also studies that we're going to refer to in this um, episode. And of course we're going to link everything in the show notes, but this idea, um, I don't think you'll be surprised to hear that uh, it didn't first, you know, get created or discovered in the realm of products, right? Software products. This, um, I would say long, long time ago, some psychologist probably just sat around and be like, yeah, what does that do to people? <laughs> and then <laughs> um, there's one particular study that I think a lot of people have used uh, and in and, and this, you know, realm of topics, which is the the what I call and have seen people call it the the jam uh, paradox, the jam test. Yeah, the <laughs> jam, yeah. Uh, the, this is probably the one that is, I, I would say, most popular, most uh, no. And, and and pardon me if I'm summarizing this study incorrectly. Let me know. Tweet, tweet at me. <laughs> so, um, Sheena Laiger, I am so sorry if I'm saying your name wrong, from Columbia University and Mark Leper, Leper, Leper. From Stanford University, um, together they did a study. Basically, the the one of the methods that they used to test what choices do to people is by offering a different um, arrays of jams at different grocery store in California. I'm pretty sure it was California, where one has um, a much larger selection than the other, and kind of comparing the um, how how customers will you know respond to to the different setup, seeing 24 jams versus the other set of, you know, six choices, what does that do to them? And ended up, they see that customers are much faster and uh, much more willing to kind of purchase from the smaller array. And it's kind of interesting, right? Cause sometimes people are like, no, we want to give people all the choices they want. So everyone gets what they need. Right. But this example is also kind of, uh, I feel like it's very relatable. <laughs> when you go to the store, you you have certain things in mind. And then even when you're off track and buying snacks or whatever, right? Do you really spend an hour trying to compare all 24 options or is it easier for you to pick from six? And looking, you know, from that perspective, as you can guess, like, yeah, I, I, I don't need, need that many choices. It's just jam, right? And um, similar mentality can be applied to uh, our products, And when we offer too many things too many features how do you know our users find out oh, okay that's the one i need that's not the one i need and it takes that time um it, it basically increases their cognitive load to ingest all the information and then having to make a decision with much more time and you're going to see people stalling a lot more so that's kind of yeah
0: yeah and the outcome of that study is what what absolutely gets me every time is <clears throat> The, you know Where they offered the limited selection of flavors, where they offered the six flavors in this study versus the 24. And in the situation where they offered the six flavors to, to customers, 30% who visited came back to buy some. Uh, whereas when they offered the 24, the selection of 24, only 3% came back. To buy some, so they they tracked it with like a, a coupon for people to come back. So basically, in this this study they conducted, which certainly isn't the end all be all, and 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 you know there's you know lots to kind of dissect from it. But essentially, the idea being that more choice or more options uh, took the ultimate purchase from thirty percent down to three percent just because people were so overwhelmed with, uh, choice. And I don't think that that's like when, when you kind of stop to think about it, it, it feels like it might be a little counterintuitive, but like when we go into our, just like our lives, like we have limited cognitive resources to go and like make decisions that are difficult in, uh, just like constantly when we're presented with. Tons and tons of choices, and I mean, we were. I mean, this brought to mind like we were making a decision on a a, not a huge purchase, but a relatively like large purchase um, a few months ago, and the number of options out there were just staggering. From there were probably like six or seven different companies that made what we were looking for that made, uh, it, we were purchasing a machine, uh, for one of our, our, our businesses and six or seven different companies that each made, uh, five or six different models that you could pick from. So extrapolate that out to the dozens and dozens of different products that we could pick from. And it just became absolutely overwhelming to try and narrow it down. I did so much research to try and figure out like, all right, which of these companies should we go with? And then which of these, like, what level of machine should we be getting? And all of that to the point where I literally almost gave up. Like I just kind of threw Mm -hmm. my hands in the air and was just like, I, I literally don't know. Like I've read every comment. I've read all of these reviews. Like it's just, I've, I've circled back to the point where I feel like now I know everything and I literally <laughs> know nothing. Like it's, it's right. just, I've gone full circle and I just, I can't, I have all the information, but I cannot make a decision because like it, it's clarified absolutely nothing for me. Whereas if it was a decision between like five or six things, you could easily, you know, as opposed to, you know, 60, that's a much yep. easier decision to make because you're not, you know, trying to you don't have the cognitive load of trying to go through every possible iteration of, you know, do we need uh, all of these options or do we only need a few? And then price becomes a consideration because you're, you're paying for more options versus fewer options. And, you know, which company is, is the best to go with because they offer, you know, this amount of support versus this and, and people like working with this company versus this other company and all of these different options and right. As if it was a, just one company and here's the five options, or it's these two companies with these three options each, like those are much simpler decisions yep. to make. And we feel like, well, it's just better. You know, you have, six or seven companies and they all have like their 10 options to choose from. And that feels fundamentally better just as a person, like, yeah, more options are better. But when it comes to making the decision, it makes it so much harder to the point where it's just like, I, you almost give up, which is exactly what I almost did.
1: Um, and it's kind of interesting when we talk about like, yeah, then who is (laughs) asking for all these features and most of the time, and I love marketing because that's kind of my experience uh, as a person in the workforce, I've been in marketing before. And features are great when you lay it out on a marketing, you know, material, when you can list out individual line item of features and you can see, Oh, this one comes with 20, you know, from the marketing person's perspective. And sometimes your sales department might be the one who is putting that, you know, mentality out there. Like the more, then I can put it in the pitch, and then we can sell better, right? But again, that the amount of features, I think we're getting to to it. That is that it sh- that should not define the user experience. That should not define the quality of you know your product. It's not really about the amount of features as much as we want to lay it out, you know, on the <laughs> pitch deck and say we offer twenty versus our competitor offering ten, right? Because that at a glance to let's say, enterprise um, software-type, you know, pitching situation. I, I can see why that's more appealing. But, but yeah, if, at the end of the day, your product should not uh, rely on the amount of features to, to survive. That's what I'm trying to say. And I, I also am curious, too, um, since Kyle, you and I kind of work on very different products, and I want to kind of understand... Uh, From your perspective, how does that conversation usually happen in your world, talking about features?
0: Yeah, um, we have this exact conversation and uh, frequently about what kind of features um, to add. Because like you said, you get these marketing lists that you put up against uh, competitors. And, you know, we're we're subject to that. And, you know, most companies are who are, you know, out competing with, you know, just the other companies in the market who are, you know, putting up similar lists that are, you know, here's our features versus the competitors features. And we have all of these and, you know, everybody's selecting like what they have um, versus others. So you can have like the more check boxes and, and, and whatever. It's interesting. There's actually... So I'll kind of circle back to your question. Um, there was an interesting I think about this one a lot. there's an interesting HBR article that found it's called defeating feature fatigue and we'll link it in the show notes mm-hmm. that found you know most people think that they will be happy with more features uh, in the buying process. So like as a buyer, you think that, but as a user of a product, it's actually the opposite. you're happier, with fewer features, but ones that are really good and really foundational to what's, what you want. So like as purchasers, we go in looking at those lists of things, which is unfortunate because that often drives like what we're building as as product teams. You know, we're we're kind of building to marketing lists oftentimes, not always, but that right. is often driving a lot of like our our product decisions. You know, we need this the strategy because, yeah, because buyers want these things and, you know, we need to be able to put it on our list and our our competitors have it on their list and that sort of thing. Whereas actual users of our products, you know, they, what they need is a really simple product that does the things that they need. And that may only include like 10 of the 40 items on that, you know, checklist Mm -hmm. of things. And so, you know, that's something that we think about just an, a, a lot when it comes to like workplace software because our the offering that we have as a company has always been very much about simple easy to implement um, software for people to get into their offices, make reservations and uh, you know be done with it there are many powerful, uh, platforms out there that do a lot more than we do, uh, that take a lot more time to implement, and that's always been like the big debate: is how much more do we implement? How much more do we build in order to do more things? That takes away from kind of that experience of being very, very fast, very lightweight, and very simple to to mm-hmm. get started. And it's a it's a hard balance because you yeah. you have you know, competitors who do, who can do a lot more, but they take more time to implement. They take, like, you have to, you just have to do more. So they're, they're not as lightweight. They're not as fast and they don't have quite the same value proposition as like we can, you know, you can get the software, you can get in, you can move very, very quickly. It's, it's lightweight. It doesn't do everything, but it's never meant to. And so, those are constant trade-offs that we're talking about and debating and, and, you know, trying to figure out where do we Mm -hmm. want to fit exactly? And there's definitely never a right answer, but um, you know, as we build new things and and try and either add to the product, like it's, it's something that I'm constantly thinking about, like, what, what are things that we should possibly be either not adding or even cutting out just to say like, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't, we don't want to do this sort of thing anymore. And you know, we we should be either taking some of these things out just because they, they're not adding to the overall experience or they're making it too, uh, too onerous to get implemented. Or what are some of the things that are making it too onerous that we can build to take away some of that? Like that's, that's another big thing. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, features that drive forward that, that value proposition, if that makes sense, as opposed to like features that are just adding additional check boxes to the list that make it like, okay, yeah, this, you know, this product has these 20 features that I can select from versus this product has these 20 features, like which of these 20 things are more important to me. It really always comes back to like, for me at least, what is the the main thing that we're trying to do as opposed to like how many many features can we get pushed into a box and i feel like if you're if you're selling just on features like you you're missing out on a huge huge opportunity to to like really sell the value and uh and and ultimately like you, you could probably end up losing just because there will always be somebody with more features than you have. And you, you have to really focus in on the value, especially with us. Like there will always be companies with more features than we have just because we are not like the feature leader. We are meant to be like the simple, easy to implement. So we're not going to beat people on features.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I like that. And then You kind of touch on like the what, whatever we're offering should fit with kind of the overall product strategy and vision. I think that's where it's so (laughs) sometimes tempting to tell your customers, tell your stakeholders, hey, we have five features coming in Q1. That's a, you know, really beautiful sentence, too. I think a lot of people um, on the other side of the table versus saying, hey, we're fixing, you know, 20 bucks versus giving you 20 features. And that, I, I don't know. That's where I sometimes in meetings, um, I can see my product managers having that moment where, hey, listen, you know, we have only one feature coming out, but we're making all the other existing functionality better. And you can kind of, you know, <laughs> feel the room kind of change a little bit, the mood kind of change. Um, but it's which is unfortunate because I do think that um, without the education of what the product team is doing, features is one thing that I think people that you know don't actually work on the product they want features they want Mm -hmm. more and they think more is what we're you know using to to fill some gaps that we have and even though the solution might not exist in the form of a feature and this maybe i'm just revisiting my past uh meetings in the in the last couple weeks because that is kind of where we're at right now talking about the launch that we have upcoming and it's like, okay, do we want to really commit to all these features that we don't know if we can build? And then, uh, having everything kind of done with less confidence than less features, but Mm -hmm. higher confidence. Right. Um, that, that is where (laughs) I think it becomes a collaboration between the product team and stakeholders. And, uh, sometimes even, customers to kind of understand better what is the goal that we're trying to accomplish here. Yep. Yep. And it's not easy. It's yeah. I, I do understand that we can't say, Oh, we have zero features. Right. Cause that's when people get really nervous, but like, like Kyle, like you said, it's a balance for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, I mean, I'll, I'll caveat all of this too. With, with, uh, I, I certainly, uh, speak for, for myself on this podcast and not our organization. (laughs) I don't know if anybody will end up listening from, from our teams, but it's, uh, it really has to be about like your, uh, your, your overarching, uh, product vision and that there, uh, there are many, many great products that have, uh, many many features and stick with that as a product vision. And, and that can be really, really good. It, it, you know, not to say that having many things that fulfill a very specific need is a bad thing. Uh, but when it comes to, you know, just simply adding more for the sake of more, that becomes a real problem. Um, you know, when it's not driving towards what is the, the problem that we're trying to solve. Right, and how is it that we fit into really doing that well, as opposed to, uh, you know, we're just going to continue to add things in order to, you know, win this customer over here and this customer over here. As, you know, it, it getting away from, for, for our company and organization, for example, like it's very much about the simplicity of it. And if we can continue to add things that add to the simplicity and add to the quickness, that makes a lot of sense. But if you start to add things that get away from that, then it starts to make far less sense. And so like making sure that you have that clarity of vision and clarity of strategy so that yep. everything you're doing is is adding to it as opposed to taking away.
1: And I'm glad you brought up adding and taking it away because i also am a fan of the idea that let's say yes we have this product vision product strategy and now we want to add features to align to that new direction right and there might be some existing features that just don't fit within that anymore and i'm a big fan of retiring features when it doesn't work yeah Uh, One good example, I remember it was actually pretty recent when Twitter put out fleets um, and they fairly quickly just decided this is not it. And there was a lot of people that, you know, there were always two sides. One side that is like, we love it. Don't take it away. The other side, which I think is the bigger side, the more majority that I saw is like, what was the point of that <laughs> at least in my circle and i personally personally uh, also this yeah i didn't really like plates i don't know anyone that did in my circle, <laughs> but, <laughs> anyways so that was a really fun experiment to see them okay here's a feature well it didn't work let's shelf that and it's expensive and i am happy to see that people are making you know choices that are expensive but still for good good longevity so, yeah,
0: that's a super great point. And you probably read my newsletter article on it. So we'll we'll link that in the show notes. I, I know you're smiling because you did. <laughs> be
1: <good>
0: that. <laughs> um and it reminds me too, I mean, speaking of uh Legos and deleting features, um, there was a a great article and tweet from uh Patrick Collison. Gosh, it was Uh, probably earlier this year on I think it was a nature article and I'll have to we'll have to dig it up but it had the image of like a brick a Lego brick building and the idea that like if you're building a roof and you know you have like these Lego supports that everybody's always constantly thinking about just adding more Legos to to make it more supported as opposed to like just taking away some Legos and dropping the building, yep. dropping the roof down. And the idea that like we don't always have to continue to add in order to uh support like the struct the overall structure. Like sometimes the best way to do it is just to subtract and to like take away things in order to get to the right, the right thing. And like I I think fleet, you know, we've talked about the stories like on this podcast before. And I think fleets honestly, like stories and in in the case of Twitter, like fleets, I, I feel like it was a feature that made sense on their platform. Obviously it wasn't working um, for them because, you know, they decided to move away from it. And it's unfortunate because I think that it could have been something, but since it wasn't uh, mm-hmm. working, the, you know, having the wherewithal to just make that decision and, move away from it and focus on what was working better, which apparently is Twitter spaces, the audio component, as opposed to like the stories component, uh, just, it makes more sense. So like doing that and subtracting as opposed to like, yep. just continually adding is exactly like what we're talking about. Like, don't, don't just continue to add features. Uh, and especially like me Too features if they're not going to add to your platform in a meaningful way.
1: You know, the whole time when you're going down that path, you know who I just thought about?
0: Who? Facebook. Okay. I was going to say LinkedIn, (laughs) but Facebook's a good one.
1: (laughs) Uh, I think Facebook is kind of, I don't know, it has become kind of the ultimate enemy of a lot of people. (laughs) They've done something really great, but Facebook right now, as I, I don't know, man, the navigation, you can just see there's just so much going on in there that they never fixed, you know, the core problem they have on, you know, just just Facebook as a so- social media platform as a product. But um, right now, it's almost, in my opinion, very overloaded with features that don't add to my experience. Um, and and surprise that I still have Facebook. I don't use it to post anything. I use Marketplace, which. Once in a while, I use it. But anyways, there's just so much on there that I don't think it adds to my experience. And I think Marketplace was really the only one thing I use on there. But Facebook is the perfect example of a nuclear wasteland of features that I really am curious. Yeah. Anyways, I don't want (laughs) to... I feel like I often bring up Facebook and just heavily hammer on Facebook, but yeah, just too many features. And on the other hand, I really love that Netflix is really focused on doing the one thing they do best. They added the, what is it called? Play something, which is a really fun feature to just play something random next and next and next. Right. And I can see that being very addicting to, 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 you know, a segment of their, their audience. And that feature to me makes sense. For Netflix and it's, yeah, I, I, I really love Netflix as a product (laughs) and Amazon too. Amazon is very focused. There's not, uh, Amazon definitely has more features, but I think they do a good job kind of highlighting what is the recommended, you know, um, options, but their navigation to those features sometimes feels chaotic, but again, not nobody's doing what Facebook is doing. So (laughs) So, I'll leave it at that.
0: That's a good point.
1: One last thing I want to bring up here to the problem is, um, there's also this other idea of uh, not an idea, but a a law. I love laws in UX (laughs) and, um, Hicks law. So it basically talks about the result of the paradox of choice, which is the more options you put out there, the more time, I, I think we kind of iterated this, uh, Previously, too, is that the more choices you put out there, it takes more time for anyone to consume the the context and the complexity of of choices that you put in front of them, and that time um, is definitely a cost for you know users. So look into Hicks Law if you're interested in knowing more of that cost. Yeah,
0: I think that's really good uh, because it's kind of like a hidden cost. So you're you're essentially making it more expensive for users to make a decision like when there is uh too many choices and there's that choice overload and then that cost of making a decision and yep. there's it, it almost comes back to to understanding who each of these different types of people are because you have uh you, you definitely have types of people who are okay you know making the uh, the best types of decisions that they can. So like, um, you know, in some of the research they talk about like maximizers versus satisficers, which mm. like the type of person who is, you know, seeking out a maximizer, like seeking out the best possible decision or mm-hmm. a satisficer who's like, who's willing to seek out like a good enough decision and understanding, you know, do you have people uh, especially in your, you know, making just like buying decisions for your product uh who need to be seeking out like optimal decisions or who can be seeking out good enough decisions and if there's that feature overload or choice overload like are are you making it harder to Mm -hmm. for somebody who has to either explore every possible option or you know who can look for you know good enough options and that sort of thing so What's the decision framework that people are using to make these decisions? And are you making it harder or easier for them to make those types of decisions?
1: This is so interesting. And as you um, mentioned that problem of like, yeah, sometimes we're going to make that decision. I For some reason, the way you just put it reminded me, reminded me of something that happened this week where I um, taught a workshop. Uh, to photographers in Photoshop. And a lot of them have never even opened Photoshop because they are used to Lightroom. Lightroom is a much more lightweight, you know, focused product for photographers and makes sense. Right. Even if it's Photoshop is so powerful with features that you can list out for days. Right. And that learning curve has been, you know, just, I, I, I would say scary for <laughs> a lot of people that you just don't know what to do because where do you start? And I was actually surprised to even hear that a lot of them are just too scared to even try. Because you can do very simple things and know two features and do very simple things in Photoshop. But but when you see that there are 60 buttons you can push, how do you know? <laughs> yep. Anyways, so yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, that's a great call out. All right. So I guess with all of that in mind, uh, how can we avoid creating this choice overload within some of our products and within like what we're building and what we're doing.
1: Yeah. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to jump in and say what I mentioned earlier, definitely retire features that no longer fit your, you know, product strategy or business strategy and vision, because they're just going to add to the mix and cost your users, you know, uh, the response time and also their experience. And it's just not not worth it. If it doesn't fit, just retire, leave it. Yeah. That's my first one.
0: Yeah. I think that's great. And so I think that goes very well with having like a very clear vision of what you're trying to do. So understanding uh, who you are as either a product or a company and building towards that and understanding like the problem that you're solving the users and customers that you're solving for and uh, just have, being very clear on the vision and strategy of and direction of what you're doing so that you can say yes to the right things and then say no to the wrong things. And like you said, cut the things that you know shouldn't be there. So you, requests that are coming in that are just like, you know, this doesn't fit. You can say no to yeah. and then things that you already have that. You know, shouldn't be there, you can start making cuts to as well and just get them out so that you have a very concise and clean and focused either product or business or feature that is meant to do the thing that it is meant to do as opposed to try and do everything.
1: I agree. And also having that clear vision helps you to align expectations with stakeholders and say, well, we don't want, you know, to push out 20 features because, 15 of them don't fit with the strategy or vision that we both agree upon. And I think that through that lens, it's a lot easier to have that conversation about cutting features than usually people are reasonable. I have been in meetings where they're like, yeah, okay, you're right. It doesn't fit with the vision that we both, you know, know that's the goal versus we're cutting features. And then you have to dive into an hour long conversation about each of them. No, let's talk about a vision and that should give you the guardrails that you need.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then another thing that we found helpful, too, is like just in time, either displaying of features or, you know, just in time, like tips and things like that. So rather than, you know, try and show features all at the same time or, you know, show like here's everything that you can do or here's all the features that we have, like here is what you need when you need it and, uh, you know, kind of bring bring people in slowly. So not necessarily, um, giving users everything all at once, uh, but, and not even giving them all the options all at once, but, you know, here's, and, you know, we did this a little while ago with one of the products that, that we had was not even showing them here's everything that you can do, but like giving them different paths to walk down. So like, um, you know, we, at one point we were giving them like multiple options to select from, and we found that to, for a lot of people just to be overwhelming. And I think we may have talked about this at one point, but we decided to slim it down to just two, like you can do this option or this option. And then from there, it kind of branched off. So like if you selected B, then you got, you know, two other options. Um, But it it simplified the decision path so that people could decide like, okay, I'm, I'm either on my own or I want help. Like those were the two options. And then like, okay, you want some help here's like the different levels of help that we offer as opposed to like, you know, I'm on my own. I want a little bit of help. I want a lot of help. Like all of these different options were like, well, I'm not sure like what levels I want right here. So as opposed to having like four or five things, it was like, no, I just, I'm good or I want help. And like simplifying the process so people could make easier decisions and help get them to like the spot they needed faster as opposed to like overwhelm them with, a whole bunch of decisions right up front because we saw a drop off at that point where it's like uh, yeah. i'm not sure exactly what i want to do here so i'm going to come back to it and people would leave as opposed to like okay just decide one you know one thing you know here it's just yep. this one choice you know between a and b and then you can go forward and that kept people moving forward better
1: yeah i like that it's kind of like making it less overwhelming to go through all these different options different features and then when you're designing pathways that matches what users are looking for and um, bundling certain things, decisions, or whatever, you know, features together after they have the ability to say, well, I'm looking for this. And then you can just eliminate a lot of the options that they already don't need um, up front. That's a really, really good point. Good idea. And I think that, that kind of reminds me of another uh, tool that, I'm sorry, because I really want to put this in my product. But anyways, (laughs) um, progressive onboarding or even onboarding in general. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I, yeah. And because I work on internal products, (laughs) so sometimes they rely on training versus putting onboarding experience in the product anyways. So, but yeah. And, and during onboarding, um, um, experience definitely, uh, that education to highlight features that are more relevant to what your most of the users that you have, what they actually look for, what they actually do in your product, that definitely will help to make it less overwhelming for new users. And also, they can first understand your core features and then feel more comfortable to explore after. Yeah. Yep. And I like what you said about just in time, too.
0: Yeah. 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 And I'd, I'd say, finally, for me, probably like the last thing, and I, I, I recommend this all the time is just like periodically just take a step back and like rethink everything and uh, you know, just figure out like, are you, is your product in the right spot? Like, do you have the right vision and strategy? And uh, is, are are you still aligned with it? Like, are your features still aligned? Like, should you be cutting things? And just, if you were to start over, Like, is this what it would look like? And, and things, um, I just, I'm a big fan of, uh, maybe not like total chaos, but just like injecting a little bit of chaos into it and, and like taking a step back and saying, like, if we, if we were to just either restart or just rethink this thing, is this where we would be or, or would we be somewhere different? And, It could even be just a thought exercise, but hopefully it gets like some questions going and, you know, get you on the right path to either the right vision and strategy or to, you know, cutting features and requests and things like that. Because a lot of times we can get just stuck in the the weeds of what we're doing. And we really need to just take a step back and figure out like, are we still on the right path? Are we, are we doing the right things? And if not, do we need to hit like a bigger reset and just say, this is, you know, we're going to do some, some big changes or some significant changes, or even some small changes and just do, do it. And, you know, either blow a few things up and just, you know, change, you know, change the way you're doing things or, you know, stop doing things that you were doing. But I think that it's all right to like inject a little bit of chaos into the process to make sure that you're doing the right things. Uh, if you've if you haven't taken a step back in a while,
1: I like that. That was very Zan. Yeah, like the way you just put that. Definitely. Yeah, and what I was thinking too is that in order to really take a step back to to look at the problems that you're trying to solve or make sure that your features you're proposing match with your product vision or strategy. I like sketching it out and kind of basically going back to almost like a, like a paper prototype to look at, okay, this is what it looks like. If we have these features, this is what the other version looks like and put it out there and see, oh, okay. I see why you're saying that 30 features all listed out is not a good idea or, you know, occupying the um, navigation is not a good idea. Like (laughs) um, Facebook anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think Communicating through visual tools is sometimes it just helps you to kind of make the problem more tangible. You know? Yeah. So yeah. Cool.
0: All right. Any other thoughts?
1: No, my catch is mailed and it yeah. caught me off guard, but <laughs> yeah, I think out of all the ideas and problems that we've gone through, I, I just want to summarize everything we've talked about. basically, just don't junk up your product. You don't want to be building Howl's Moving Castle. <laughs> <laughs> it's cute in a movie, but um, you don't want to um, overwhelm your users by too many options that some of them might not be what they're looking for or um, don't even know how to start using your product when there are too many options in front of your users. Yeah. Yep. And Yeah. And make sure you have a clear product vision to align, you know, everything you're doing in the product to that. I feel like that was a very oversimplifying summary, but just don't do more, do less, but do better. How about that? That's a better summary.
0: That's a great summary. Less but
1: better. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right. So yeah, do you want to do our... Product shout out or product gripe?
0: Yeah, shout outs and gripes. All right. What? Uh, All right. What do you have this week? I
1: it's kind of a in between, uh, not a shout out, not a gripe. So I think I've been thinking a lot about Photoshop <laughs> <laughs> because of the workshop I just taught. But uh, kind of a shout out for 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 people that know what to do with it, and a gripe for everyone else who don't know what to do with it (laughs) because i didn't realize the learning curve for photoshop is so steep until i started that workshop and then everyone's asking questions i'm like oh you're right like i think in recent years if you have you know been in photoshop photoshop here and there you notice you know in recent years they try to put a lot more up front and say hey this is a project you can do. Hey, did you know you can do this? And when now you have you have her on the sidebar options, they actually pop a little thing out with animation to show you what it can do. But four or five years ago, I, I really can't remember exact time when they put those in, but four or five years ago, it was just kind of like, okay, you get in. This is it. And out of all the tools, you just basically have to Google everything. And if you know what a couple of them do, then great. You may or may not use the other 30 features in there. (laughs) So anyways, I didn't realize that until that workshop. And then it was a great, you know, kind of taking a step back, just me working on products, seeing that exact problem that we've talked about. Right. Just how do you take care of users that have been around for 10 years versus users that have never used it? and. For me, like I've been in there for, yeah, about 10 years. But then I still know that I have 20 things. I don't know what they're for. They're just so many, so many, so many features and options and just checkboxes. And a lot of them are hidden, too. And for example, like if you hit options, just anytime in Photoshop, if you have a adjustment or whatever that you're doing, or even when you're adding a new layer, when you hold out option you might end up getting a different um functionality that you don't get without hitting option but how would anybody know and again it's very esoteric so it's like shout out for it being for it being so powerful but to me a gripe when you are not helping anyone else to get in to it Cause I think it's kind of funny where we talk about Adobe creative suite and people joke about designers immediately, you know, th- people think about Photoshop <laughs> and then, but at the same time, like a lot of people working in the creative fields don't use Photoshop because of that crazy learning curve.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: So anyways, that's, I guess more gripe than shout out. <laughs> Sorry, Adobe. <laughs> I do love it though.
0: Yeah. Those are, I totally hear you. Super powerful tools. Um, use illustrator a ton and it's you can do so much with it but they're really really difficult like the learning curve is steep to yeah. actually get up and understand uh, once you do like you can do a ton with it but man they're I, I haven't used photoshop as much recently like i'm 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 with uh i'm probably with some of those other people like i'm more of a lightroom person um used to use photoshop for everything Um, until it was like, you know, Lightroom is a much lighter way. I'm just going to start using that and then stop using Photoshop because it's like, I don't need everything in Photoshop. So anyway.
1: Yeah. It's funny because I don't know how to use Lightroom.
0: Yeah. I I didn't, I didn't either. Yeah. I was like, um, but I was just doing everything in Photoshop for like editing and you can do a lot more, but then I was like, you know, most of the stuff I can probably do in Lightroom. And so I like learned Lightroom and I was like, yeah, I, most of my stuff I could just like it's a, it's a faster workflow if you're just doing like editing for, for fo- like simple editing for photos. So,
1: and oh man, Kyle, you're opening a flat <laughs> gate. Yeah, because it's, it's, this is another, um, problem that I <laughs> have, uh, so I don't know why, but their interface also are very different. Like yeah. going from Photoshop to Lightroom, it's a whole new world. And there's no connectivity between uh, the features or the, the just the navigation at all. And and it's not just between Photoshop, Photoshop and Lightroom, right? It's also like Photoshop and Illustrator. Mm-hmm. Their hotkeys are different, but they can be doing yes. the exact same thing. And I, I don't know, man. It's just all around, there's a lot that you can do, but you have to know exactly what you're doing in each of them to know how to basically translate your own knowledge in another software, even though you kind of know Illustrator can do this thing yep. after coming out of Photoshop or after, you know, going from Photoshop to Lightroom. Anyways, it's, yeah. Yeah,
0: this is, a lot. This is, this is probably like a whole episode on like integrating products into a portfolio, like after, because I don't know, I'd have to look up the history, but I feel like these are probably a lot of them acquired, uh, like Adobe mm-hmm. acquired a bunch of them. And then, like, started to integrate them into their portfolio. And so they've done right. a good job as far as, like, look and feel across a bunch of them. Some of them are still a little bit out there. But then, like, the hotkeys, like you were saying, like, historically have been different across a bunch of them. And that's, I know, a pain point for a lot of users. Like, if you try and go between different applications, right. like, they're just different. So. Yeah. Anyway.
1: Anyways, early asset Photoshop kind of in a funny tone, but... Photoshop just kind of grinds my gear. Yeah. Is that? <laughs> yep. Yeah. So that was a really long one. Uh, what about you? Do you have a That's shout a out one. or are you angry?
0: Uh, well, so I'll do one of each. So shout out, we'll, we'll do a quick shout out to Lego. Um, so we, we've been just doing a ton of Lego kits and stuff, like some smaller ones for the kids. They enjoy doing like on their own. And we had a, a piece break. And yeah, it was, it was sad. It was like the wheel of a carriage, a Cinderella carriage. I actually have it over here. And my daughter came in and she's like, this wheel broke. And I was like, oh no. And um, so I was like, ah, crap, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to like fix this and glue in. She, like, it in. Like it broke pretty good. And I was like, all right, I'm going to have to like pop this back in and super glue it. And I was like, I wonder if we can just get a new one somehow. So I got on like Lego's website and it just like pulled up the kit and the the lego wheel and it's just like do you want a new one and i was like yeah i do and they're like all right just put in your address and i'll send you a new one and it's like shipped already and it's like in the mail and so it'll be here like in a few days and i was like wow and my and my daughter was like super happy she's like oh we'll just get a new one i was like yeah it'll be here in a few days that's it That's it. and so, so i didn't realize how easy that was so shout out to lego um for making the process of getting new Legos like super easy. I feel like I had heard that somewhere, but I haven't used it until now when this wheel broke. And anyway, so that's, that was super, yeah, super cool. Super simple. makes me like the, the kits aren't cheap, but the (laughs) fact that the fact that you can like replace parts easily and get like a new one and they'll just like ship it out to you like super fast makes it, I don't know, just makes you like rest easy that, you know if you lose something or right. something happens, like it's not a big deal because you'll just get a new one real fast. So like that, a yeah.
1: Lot. and sometimes, I mean, I imagine you guys also went through the moments of you' like, well, is that easy? Like other companies don't just send you replacement. I mean, no. a lot of them do, but that's not what you expect just because that's not a lot of companies want to do, yeah, for some reason. And, <laughs> and
0: not make it like super easy of just like, click the part, put in your address and like, yeah. you're good to go. So anyway.
1: That's so cool. Yeah,
0: that was cool. And then, uh, uh, gripe, um, this is not a, not necessarily a product gripe, but just, um, <laughs> gripe, right? yeah, gripe to, uh, wildfires. Um, we had one start burning <laughs> yes. last night, uh, super close and it was just, it was awful and there was ash everywhere and yes. smoke all over the city so you can posted a picture i think a picture on twitter you can check that out but it was it was just it was terrible it was like every we had a whole bunch of people close to us like evacuating and stuff cuz it was oh, wow
1: really yeah
0: it was burning the wind yeah, the wind shifted pretty bad too so it was kind of blowing away and then started blowing towards like That's a scary. neighborhood where we used to live. So they were all evacuating up in our old neighborhood. Um, We weren't evacuating, but we were just, we hanging out in the terrible, terrible smoke until a thunderstorm came in and just blew all of the smoke out. And then it started raining and uh, I think mostly put the fire out. So it was super strange weather, but So I guess shout out to the rain and gripe to forest fires, which just, or wildfires, which just totally suck. And it was a terrible night. Yeah. Anyway. I'm so sorry. Boo forest fires. Yeah. Boo, boo wildfires.
1: Oh man. It's so crazy. It is seriously everywhere now. Yeah. I mean, it's, we're in a desert, but at the same time, it's scary to hear that. I got so close to you guys.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Super close. Way the closest that I've ever, I think we've ever been to one, and it was just yeah, just out west of us and west of uh, a bunch of people that we know and friends and and whatnot. So we drove we drove out to it because we went outside and we're like that looks that looks really close, like closer than we. So we got in the car and we're like we need to figure out how close this is exactly, and so we drove out to where we could see it better. And we're like yeah, that is uncomfortably close. And How so, close are we talking? Um it the tail of it. So we were at the very end of it and it stretched okay. for miles north of us. So we were at the very, very end of it. Um it was probably I don't know, maybe about a mile away.
1: <gasps> That's too close. Yeah.
0: Um but then it was a lot closer to other people. Like it, it well maybe I'll post some more pictures on Twitter, but it was basically just a mile stretch, miles stretch from our city up north, just kind of a line. And there's just neighborhoods running all up uh, that same line. Um, Anyway, it was, it was bad. The smoke was terrible too.
1: Yeah. Glad to hear you guys are okay. And also timely for the ring (laughs) to, that I'm hoping.
0: Super timely. I don't know what else would have it seemed like we were kind of at, a, I don't know what was going on, but it seemed like we were kind of at a loss as to what to do about it other than like watch it burn. So if it wasn't for the rain, I don't know what was going to happen. So I'm glad it did rain. We need more rain. Yeah,
1: seriously. Less fire, more yep. rain. Yep. Yeah, I'm glad you guys are okay. And hopefully everyone in your neighborhood is also okay. Yep. And no more fire, please.
0: Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I think
1: that's the show. That's it. And good to be back. Yep. And thanks for listening. Goodbye. See you.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can find out more about us and our podcast on our website at productbydesign.co. You can also follow us on Twitter at prodbydesign. That's at prod underscore by underscore design. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Larry Evans. And you can also find Eva on Twitter at Yon Chow Chow. See you next time.